0: Welcome to the Delve, welcome to the Delve part of our life program. Beginning, beginning tonight, pass that out. There's more around there, so get more from there. Um, welcome to our Delve part of our life program, Thursday night class, which for the next one, two, three, four, five, six classes, we're going to be studying from the Tanya we're gonna continue what we were learning last week last year. We were learning the special letter of tshuva, a uh, garrison tshuva from the Tanya, very fundamental part of the Tanya. Um, we were holding, last year I was super ambitious and I thought I can do the entire garrison tshuva in one year. <laughs> I ended up only doing five chapters and now we're holding by the sixth chapter. Um, I'm just going to do a very brief review on the main point before we begin. Uh, Pereg Vov, you can open up your Tanyas. Uh, instead of the copies, we have the books today because we have sufficient amount of Tanyas. If you need some more Tanya, there is um, some more over there. Let me put them out for one moment on the table. These classes on Igeris Achuva were <clears throat> sponsored by a few people, so I want to just mention them. Shmuel and Malka Stroll, Mordechai and Chaya Michal Slotowitz, and David and Shana Hoch and Daniel and Malka Haman. So may Hashem give them bench to mall with abundant of brech- blessings and a Shana taiva masuka ksiva chasimataivin a benched yar uh, for only, only only good things. Uh, Daniel um, 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 uh, Mati and Chaya Michal did it in honor of their children. Uh, the others didn't specify, besides Daniel Amal Kahaman in honor of his parents um, who had both passed away this past year. Sheyoub and Avram Nisan, Olav shalom, and Leah Bashrago Faival, Olav shalom, May their Nishama have a great Aliyah. And again, may Hashem channel uh, lots of blessings for them and the Schus of the Rebbe, and the and the powerful book of Tanya um, should uh, bestow tremendous blessings on, on them and on their families for all good. Tonight's shir, I also want to dedicate uh, for Rafua Shalema, for Adi Chaya Bastavora Orli. May she have a total and complete Rafua. Complete, complete Rafua. Mamish, Mamish, um, take her for yisrael. We are holding over here in the ha-tshuva, Perek Vav. Okay. So the Alter Rebbe comes to explain simply how do we do tshuva? How do we do tshuva? Of course, a Hasidic guide, a Hasidic guide to tshuva, and this is very, very important, very, very special. Um, the etymology, the etymology of the word tshuva, the root. The etymology of the word tshuva, according to the Zohar, is tshuva comes from two words, tashuv hei. Tshuva comes from two words, tashuv hei, restoring the hay. And Hashem's name is made up of a yud, a hay. Hashem's name is made up of a yud, a hei, above and a hay. And Shuva says, "Return the hay," which implies that the hay needs to be returned because it was far away, it was separated, and it has to be brought back. So the Rebbe explains that, is going, that through a person's misdeeds, we cause a separation in the letters of God's name. And being that there are two hays in Hashem's name, which we impact as a result of our mistakes that we make. We impact the divine and the flow of godly energy into the universe and into creation. Um, and the blemish reaches primarily into the two haze as they become separated from their mashpiyim. The haze of Hashem's name, the haze, are always mekabalim. The he is always the recipient. And the yud and the vav, that's the mashpim the influencers, and the he are the Makablam. According to mysticism, the he's are, fem- are female. Like bina, the upper hay, the first hay is bina, the lower hay is malchus, so it's both female. Bina is called mother and Hay is called, uh, bina is called the higher mother, Amy Allah, the higher mother, and Malchus is called the lower mother, but it's all both mother, meaning both female. The Yud and the Vav, Chachma, and the Vav, the six emotions, are both are both are all masculine, male. And as a result of a sin, we cause a separation. We cause Shalom bias problems in the in the greater realm. We cause a disconnect between the Yud and the He. And our avodah, and our work, is to unify and bring it together again when we do tshuva. Tashuv Hey since there are two heys so the Rebbe explained there's two levels of tshuva, the lower tshuva is called tashuv hei tata bringing back the lower hay, and then the higher tshuva is called tashuv Hay ilah meaning there's two levels of tshuva one level of tshuva as we're going to see later and this is what we're going to be learning about mainly today is repairing the damage that we caused as a result of our misdeeds the higher level of tshuva is not about repairing and rectifying damage uh, repairing the pipes or anything that we've punctured or blemished. The higher level of tshuva is only increasing our union with Hashem. It was taking, taking advantage of the fall that we fell and of the distance that we have created, to use that very distance to intensify and propel us to a deeper connection and a deeper union with God, even more than we had had we never sinned. And that's mainly what the higher tshuva is all about becoming deeply, deeply um, attached to Hashem with a certain passion and a fervor that we never had before until we come to a state of total unification with Hashem. And that's the higher Chuva, as opposed to the lower tshuva, which is about the rectification of that which we messed up. So in order to understand that, the Rebbe is explaining what do we have with the haze of Hashem's name? Where are we. And the hay of God's name is so high, it's so lofty. It's so beyond the world. It's Hashem's name, especially the Yutke Vavke, which is higher than creation. Because creation comes from the name of Elohim, Bereshis Bara Elohim, which is the Chitzonius. It's the external part of Hashem. The name of Elohim. There's a passage that says, that Hashem and Elohim, these two names, the interplay between these two names of Ava Elohim is compared to the sun and its sheath. The sun. And the container of the sun. Now just like the container is placed on the outside and like a shell, and then there is the inside. So Yudke Vavke is a level that the, of a level of the divine that is so above that is infinite, it's still beyond time and space. Because um, from the level of Elohim, Elohim is the is the, that dimension of the divine that becomes a source for creation. And not only a source for creation becomes immersed in creation, involved in creation. And over there we have the element of Hashem being in- integrated or Hashem lowers Himself down into, the, into being impacted or related to time. As we say by Hashem, Hashem malech, Hashem malech, Hashem yimloch is the element of malchus, which is past, present, and future. But havaya, Yutke vavke, is indicative of the level of God where past, present, and future are all together because it's totally beyond time and space. We're living within the construct of time and space. How in the world are we having impact on God's name, Yudke Vavke, that is so sublime and so high and so transcendent? And the answer is that's because of our Jewish soul. And as, as, as because we're Jews, that's why we're able to create a much bigger mess because our nishamas are plugged into the deepest and highest places. And therefore, when we when, when we get involved in the wrong things, we cause our source also to be dragged into the wrong things. And, there, and thereby bringing, as we're going to learn, an empowerment to everything that is negative and wrong in the world. And the Jew is able to do that because the Jew's nishama is so deep and so high and so entwined in holiness, and um, 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 it is it is etched or... <clears throat> it is embedded in the highest, highest places, all the way up to the Yutke Vavke. And that's what we learned in the earlier um, chapters in Perik Dalid, where the Altar Rebbe began to explain the concept that Ki avaya amoy, that the Jewish people are a part, their, their neshama is literally a chelek, it's a part of the Yutke Vavke, As opposed to all of creation, which is not a chelek of Hashem, and has no connection to the Yutke if anything, the creation relates to Hashem's name, as we said before, the chitzonius of Hashem, the external part of God, which is the name of Elohim. As God sort of becomes the creator of the universe, mitigating Himself, contracting Himself a billions, gazillions, infinite levels to become a source for creation. And that's where the creations meet God, that's where they interact, that's where they engage Hashem. And that's where they can cause, if, any, if, if we can say anyway, a blemish, a scar. It might be in the name of Elohim, that's it not higher than that, chas v'shalem. The Jewish people, however, uh, are can blemish much deeper because their nishamas are rooted in the Yudke Vavke. And even Malachim, and even the highest angels, they're called Bnei Elohim, because they're only derived from the name of Elokim. Only Nishamas are rooted and stem from the Yudke Vavke. They're part of the Yudke Vavke itself. And in Paragdaladi he explained how every part of our neshamah, the different fac- faculties of our soul, are derived from the different letters of Hashem's name. Because the Yud Kevavke is indicative of the attributes. The entire, the entire configuration of all the divine attributes are alluded to in the Yud Kevavke. If our nishamis are part of the Yud Kevavke, it means our nishamis contain within themselves elements of the spheros from the attributes. Okay? That's, that was the explanation that he explained in Perek Dalet. And then in Parikay, is now one more thing we do have to have to say. In he began with a very important question. He began with a very important question, and his question that he asked was, "How come we know that um, in the that the Torah prescribes that for certain sins, a person gets kares, and kares means excision?" And um simply that means that the neshama gets disconnected from its source. the neshama gets cut off um, and therefore, if the neshama gets cut off from God, so a person loses their lifeline. so the Gemara says that a person would die chas before the age of fifty uh, if they're if they if, if they're punished by if they have the punishment of carries and if they violated a commandment that warrants carries or if they um, violated a commandment that they're chayiv misa which is not as severe as kare's, death by heaven, but not kare's, that too would cause some kind of a disconnect that would cause the, nish- the person to die before the age of 60. And that's the way it was. So he asked the question, how come we see that people live very long lives, and many people do many averis, and sometimes keep on repeating sins that you're chayiv kare's for, if ever, if chas if v'shalem, their soul should have been cut off, and they should have severed. Then it should have happened a long time, especially with such a repetition of these sins. And yet he says we see so many people, Jews, who are living, or wicked. We might say, we're not talking about people who don't know, no, no, don't know, but people that maybe do know and have done big, big sins throughout history. And yet they lived lives. They lived to be a ripe old age, and many times they even lived very comfortable and very pleasant lives. So how can it be if there is if, the, if 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 there is the, that? So, in order to explain that, the Altareb is going to explain. He begins the this idea that we just mentioned earlier. That our he's going to explain why a person, why a person would die if he sinned. What's the so he's explaining that it's not punishment. It's technical. It's 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 a technical um, thing that the sin itself causes a a a causes the death. It's it's. It's not like God's wrath or God is angry and taking revenge and killing the person for the sin. It's just a natural consequence of the sin itself. And that is based on the idea why only Jews are chayifkares. Why do these prohibitions and these effects only to the Jewish people, not to the non-Jewish people? We don't find anywhere there are punishment of kareis, that they get cut off. There is a punishment that they have to be put to... The, that, they, that there is something in capital punishment when someone does an avera the basin is obligated to uh, violates one of the sheva mitzot ben noach when the jewish people had a basin we control we were able to punish that was need to be punished but you don't find a natural death coming as a result of a person's sin unless god is angry like at the flood or something like that but the general we don't find such a and the answer is because precisely what we were talking about before and that is that only the Jewish neshamas are plugged into the yud Vavke. And the yud Vavke is the inner, innermost of the divine, of Hashem's inner, inner, inner being. And, um, and that's where a, a Yid's nishama, a Jew, is receiving his life, because he's connected to that place. In that inner life force, in that inner space, a, contradicting, a contradiction to God's desire is a, is, is a, causes a disconnect. You can't be connected to such a personal and private and inner place in Hashem and violate the antithetical living one's life in antithesis to what Hashem cares about and what Hashem really is interested in and still remain plugged in. Because the very nature of the disobedience of what Hashem really wants Causes, causes, causes a separation, separating yourself from that place, because you're going anti it. Now, why does that not affect the non-Jew? Because the non-Jew is not, never receiving his life from that inner, 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 deeper place. The non-Jew is, is almost like receiving his life from a very general life source. Hashem says, here, I'm creating a huge creation. The huge creation has billions of planets and the billions of stars and, 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 and galaxies and... And tons—it's a huge universe, and in the huge universe, there's thousands, millions of creatures. Amongst them, there's humans, and there are, and there are, and there are plants, and there are animals, and there, are, and there are so many things in the world. And the world is populated with human beings as well. And as long as the, as long as there isn't anybody that's acting in a super, super crazy, destructive manner in which he wants to destroy the entire world, go ahead, live your life. There's no inner, internal, deep, deep inner essential bonding between the between the abishter and, and those entities. And therefore, what, what exactly you're doing with your life is not, and I'm not saying that there's no purpose, chas There is purpose, but the purpose is a far more um, external kind of a purpose. In other words, in, this, as, in as much as the person in general's life is supportive to civilization, which enables the Jewish people to so learn Torah and do mitzvahs and develop this world to become a home for Hashem. So, as long as you're kind of within the framework of living a decent life, continue living. So, what exactly, if you're doing so or so, a little, it's not causing a wreckage in the entire universe. But the Jews' neshama is rooted in Hashem's very, very inner place and in Hashem's inner desire and in Hashem's inner reason for why he created the entire world in the first place, related to Hashem's inner essence of who he is. Which Hashem's essence is expressed in the Torah, in his will, which is the Torah and the mitzvahs. So a person who is acting contrary to God's will of the Torah and mitzvahs is contradicting his very source of life. And that's why he's disconnected. To make to illustrate that a little stronger, he develops the idea in Perek He that he uses two very special analogies. And once we, re- we refer to these analogies, then we'll be able to learn, continue the chapter where we're holding now, Perek Vav. The analogies that he uses is the the pasuk that says amo that the Jewish people are a part of God, part of the yud Vavke, continues and it says Yaakov that Yaakov is the rope of his inheritance. And so he says, what is the significance of Yaakov chevel that is, Yaakov Jacob is the rope of God's inheritance? What he's saying he says like this: Our neshamahs are a piece of God from above. Our inner soul. And our neshamas originate as in the innermost of the Yud K'Vavkin. But that's our soul when our soul is up there in the supernal place above. But then our neshamah has to come down into a physical world. Our has to, not only into a physical world, our has to enter creation. Our are rooted in a place totally beyond creation, in the infinite light of God. Deeper and higher than the whole project of creation. But then Hashem decides to plant our in the world and when he plants our neshama into the world ooh, how does the neshama come down to enliven a body on that it's not like the neshama exits the divine and comes down in the body it's dispatched and through the neshama goes into a body that's not what happens the neshama extends like a rope Yaakov Chevel it comes down as a rope which means one end is still rooted and plugged in in the transcendental infinite light of God the other end extends in the body and here he gives for that descent for that flow of life, as the neshama passes through from the, from, from, from the levels, from Hashem Himself as Hashem is for Himself, through the myriads of worlds, until it comes down and descends all the way down into the body, He gives two metaphors for that. And the reason He gives two metaphors, because the two metaphors are not just two metaphors for the same thing, but they are two levels in that descent. One of them is more internal, and the one of them is more external. The more internal element of the neshama is compared when it comes down into the body, as a vayipachbi apav Hashem blows in, blows the neshama into the body, and just like a flow of air, a flow of oxygen that is being blown, right? So you have the flow. Mamish Hashem is blowing; He's continuously blowing our soul. So if you can can you imagine a a a a how do you call it? A what would be the right word for a a ear, a flow of ear, what? a funnel. Yeah, a funnel of ear. Imagine like you see sometimes a a uh, a um, tornado when you have a a vortex as it's coming down. It doesn't necessarily have to be that it's spinning, but there is a flow. Imagine that flow passing through all worlds, descending and only where there's a Jew that's happening, where Hashem is ex- blowing from his innermost, he's blowing the neshama down into the body. Now. Um, what happens, so what's the idea of the blowing, which means that down here below, the very life of your body is first being blown into your neshama, rather the neshama is extending from Hashem's breath, down, 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 and that becomes the neshama in your body, and then that neshama gives life to one's physical animating soul, because besides that very, very lofty soul, we also have a more um, a, a spirit inside of it that we learn in Hasidus many times is called our Nephisha Bahamas, our vivifying soul. That's like a wrapper that's like energized by our neshama. And then that energy, that spirit energy, which is is in turn vivifies and animates the body. So the physical body is animated by that by the neshama which is a continuous blowing of Hashem's breath, a funnel of, 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 of ear, of Hashem's ear, of Hashem's oxygen that's descending down on the body. Now, when you have someone blowing somewhere, if you put a, if you put a, if you take a, put something in between and that blocks it, so then the flow can't reach. The, fu- the, the breath can't reach. And that's why he explains that, that, um, and that's the constant, but the question is, can you block God? Can anything block God? I'm talking about God. We're not talking about Stam something. Talk talking about Hashem's breath. Hashem's breath means it's a continuation of Hashem. Hashem is extending His oxygen, His self, into the world. Can anything block God? So you say there's a wall. A wall, well, Hashem, it says in the Pasuk. In the Pasuk it says, I fill everything. There's no place that I'm not there. Nothing blocks me. There's no space that's, that, that's, that, that's not pervaded by me. As the Zohar says, There's no place where God is not there. So Hashem fills every iota of space. And every spe- so there's nothing that can block him. So what would mean something that's blocking him? So he says the only thing that can block him is something that Hashem sees as something that is undesirable and where he doesn't want to go. Not because it itself, not because there's something that can block God. There is something where Hashem, because it's against God's will, Hashem, so it contradicts. Why is there a funneling of life down? Because Hashem has a will to introduce Himself and express Himself through the neshama and through the Jew into creation. But if the Jew is doing something that is antithetical to God's will, he's contradicting that very breath, that very blowing. And therefore the blow does not continue. The blow is interrupted. If that funnel of breath is interrupted, what happens? There is no life. Because the Jew is receiving life from that breath. And that breath is not reaching his body, is not as disconnecting as a result of a sin. And that's why a person would be, for any, so in that sense, the de- that's the deepest part of our connection to Hashem. And it's interesting, we don't notice this. This is not only by kares. This is by every avera. Even the smallest sin that a person does. The moment a person's life is not expressive of the divine will, the moment there is something in a person's life that is off, where Hashem is not saying, and Hashem is not completely like, the Jew is an is an ex, the Jew is an expression of Hashem's deepest, deepest will. Through the Jew, Hashem realizes his malchus, his kingship, his 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 desire and his pleasure in creation. The moment there is something annoying to God which is distasteful and dislikeful to Hashem, so then that inner zone, that inner flow, is not flowing because, it's, because the person is contradicting it. So then what happens? That, that's not reaching the yid. In a sense, something very deep has died in a human being. The moment we sin, we're not really alive. With that special life force of the deepest kedusha, that god. Oh, but then how can a person survive a sin? Even according to the Torah... We're not talking over here today's days. that Even according to the Torah, not every sin causes death. It's only very severe sins. But here we're saying, the moment there is something against Hashem's will, there should be a what? There should be a chastasholom, a cutoff. And the answer is, because that rope that descends from God, that funnel, has two levels in it. The Rebbe gives one example from blowing. The other example he gives is from a rope, a long rope. And the rope is made up of 613 cables. One is a more physical example, dealing with rope, strands of a rope. The other one is a little bit more, you know, edel, because you're dealing with air and airflow. And what's the difference between the two? The airflow. Right? If it's blocked, it's blocked. And again, anything blocking it blocks it. Anything that's, that, that can block God, what can block God? Anything antithetical to his will. The rope example that he's using, he's already differentiating between big sins and small sins. He says the rope is entwined with six hundred and thirteen cables. And when you do a small sin, you're cutting a small cable. When you're shalom, when a person does a big avera, he's severing one of the major arteries. One of the major flows. One, that without that, they can't survive. Okay, that's the idea. So the question is, and we said earlier, why do you need two examples? And the answer is that we as Jews have, there's, there's two, it's almost to say, we can say something like this, I'm making this up right now, but it would make, it's, it relates to what we're saying. I don't know if it's exactly that accurate, but it would be something like this. And that is, there is a pleasure that the Eibishter has in our existence, And there is a desire that God has in our existence. The pleasure is the most inner, inner, inner point of our connection to God. In the pleasure element, the moment you're doing something that is not pleasurable to Hashem, Hashem has tremendous nachas from a yid. Every moment. The Yidd is on the street. Here he meets another Jew. He puts him on Tvillin. Here, he, here he says, Here he's on the bus. He doesn't know what to do. He says a capital to heal him. Here he says a word of Torah. Here he davens. Here he's involved in his business, but he's going to take his business and use the money that he earns to serve the Abister. The Abister is sitting there and quelling. That's what it is. The Ebershter quells, and the very quelling that the Ebershter quells from his children, from his, from his Jews, that's, that's, that's the life, that's the flow of energy from Hashem to the neshama in that pleasure. Where there is a disobedience to God, the pleasure isn't there anymore. So the innermost deepest life stops at any sin. However, there is pleasure and then there is desire. Like a person has a pleasure in something, and because they have a pleasure in something, they desire to be in a relationship with it. Now the desire is a little more external than the pleasure. Pleasure is like, yeah, sometimes a sensation of something goes away. The pleasure stops, but you still want that thing because you know it usually gives you pleasure. Even if at this moment the pleasure isn't there, the desire can still continue. That's the mushal of the rope. The rope is still a cable. That's, that's to do with the 613 mitzvahs, which are the abishter's desires. So even if, okay, so the desire has not been listened to, but as he said, it's only a particular desire. It's one of the mitzvahs that were cut off. But in general, the Eibishter still has desire in the Jew, even if he doesn't have the pleasure in him at that moment. Because the pleasure... So we see two levels of chayas in the Jew's neshama. One level is pleasure, inner, 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 inner blowing of the abishur. Any aver to chas cuts that off. When a person, however, is is living a holy life, a godly life, a focused life, a purposeful life, and we're having a day, an elevated day, then a Jew has to know that his life is completely different. than... the, the his very oxygen his very breathing, and his very, his very, very walk, <laughs> physical existence. The blood is oxygenated and the oxygen carries life. The life of the Jew, the moment or during the times that he's fulfilling the Abishter's desire, is, 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 is coming from the inner, inner, innermost of God's essence. So, really, the Jew is just a flow of the Abishter's pneumia of, of Ein Sof, is extending, is flowing in the Jew's body. That's infinitely higher than the life of all other creations. Because no one has that. No one has that level of, we might say, kesser energy, panemius of kesser flowing in their body. Only the Jew. Because the Jew is the pleasure of the Eberster. Chas that's disconnected from any sin. But a flow of desire can still flow. That, however, desire, the more external element, which also only Jews have and, non, and the rest of the world doesn't have, because even the external part is still... Considered part of the Shem Havaya, part of the Yutke Vavke, which is much higher than the name of Elohim. The ordinary creation receives its energy from the name of Elohim, which is extremely um, oh. so let's let me, let me let me differentiate and just explain one more thing before we can continue. And that is, what's with the rest of creation? Does God have a desire for them to exist? Of course. If there wouldn't be a desire in the creation, then it couldn't exist. So of course Hashem has a desire. But the desire that the Abishta has in the rest of creation is considered the chitzanius to get ratzon, and so something very important to the fundamental of the Tanya is understanding that there is panimiyas aratzon and chitzanius aratzon. Chitzanius aratzon is the, a will that a person a person has in which they want something, but the wanting of the thing is not nothing to do with that thing. I don't want this. I want this because this is going to lead me to something else. It's like a person like. There's, there's a difference between two people. One person is doing, two people go to work. One person goes to work and this is the job that they they love. Every moment they have a pleasure in doing the work. There's someone who's going to work because he just needs to pay the rent. But he hates the work that he's doing. So you can't say he doesn't want to go to work. He doesn't want to go to work. He's staying in bed. What gets you out of bed and gets you to go to work is that you want to go. But it's a very compelled desire. And we understand that a person is not putting his... He doesn't put his nefesh, his, his, his inner soul is not in that work. Because I'm just going, I can't wait. He can't wait for a day off. He's waiting pay, patiently for vacation to come because he can't stand going to work. It's just that I have no choice, but I have to go, but I still want. And that's how God gives life to the world. God gives life, of course, Hashem. Of course, everything is relative. I'm not saying that God doesn't have a pl- pleasure in creation. But relative to His pleasure in the Jewish people and the Torah and Mitzvah, the creation is only created to support that. It's not that He has a desire in it of itself. And therefore, again, the more external something is receiving its energy from, the more external you're receiving the energy from, the less difference it makes if you're. Like this, or you're like that, because I don't care about it, anyways. It's like kind of like a a a a uh, a a very disconnected kind of a hashpa, where it really doesn't make a difference. Yeah, complain, not doing this or doing that. Life is flowing, and that's why we say one of the interesting distinctions that we made last time when we learned Tanya was that. We say that the rest of creation is created by divine speech and the, Jewish, and the Jewish Nishamas are coming down into this world through a flow of Hashem's breath. Blowing. Vayipach Hashem, blows. What's the difference between speech and blowing? So generally we know that speech, that what's the internal part of speech? Breath. What's the external part of the speech? The letters, but what's the internal part of the speech is the breath. Now here you see, so you see, b'chlau, that breath is considered internal. And words are considered external. But here, here this very, very deep thought. When I'm talking, and I'm going like this. I'm going to continue talking right now, and I have a paper in front of my mouth. I don't think there is in any way, maybe if we would monitor it with some kind of a very, very acute sound device, you would notice that the voice now is a little little less because i'm speaking it's being a little muffled because this is blocking but very the sound really is not doesn't really make that much of a difference now but if i would blow and i'm blowing and you and so then you would you can feel the breath if you put this thing in between then the the breath is not the blowing is not passing at all it's being completely cut off through the through the through the interference. And what is, that, what is that indicating? That the rest of the creation, even when they act contrary to God's will, since they are being created by divine speech, not by divine breath, compliance or non-compliance with God's will does not interrupt their life. Just like putting a, even if what they're doing, even when their behavior is distasteful to God, since Hashem is not creating them from His inner passion, inner inner pleasure, He's creating them just from a what we I don't know what the right word would be, from a more um, uh, I don't know, it must be the word is not coming to me now, but the, from a more. Um, uh, I don't know what I'm looking for, I'm looking for something, but okay, maybe it's gonna to come to me soon. Um, that's, so therefore it's not being it's not being cut off when there is a an activity and an action contrary to Hashem's will. The Jew, however, is Nisham Hashem is blowing. That means Hashem is intimately involved in giving life for the yid. Intimately involved in giving life to the Jew. And because he's intimately involved in giving life to the Jew, if there is a something that contradicts that that relationship and that bond, the bond between the yid and the there, it gets severed. That is the reason why. Oh, so that's 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 the meaning. That's the difference between Jew and non-Jew, or Jew and the rest of creation. Now, in the Jew itself, here's what we what, this is the point we were learning before there are two dimensions of life in a yid. The, the, more, the more external part of the Jew's life is where God has an inner desire to create the Jew because Hashem has a pleasure in a yid, but because he has a pleasure in a Jew, he has a desire to create him. That desire can tolerate to some degree a... a, a it, can, it can pass even when there is a a contradiction to Hashem's will. It's only that what? If there is a massive contradiction to Hashem's will, something really, really bad, then it cuts off the desire. But then there is a deeper dimension of Hashem blowing, there's a deeper dimension, which is compared not to a rope, it's compared to an inner breath where anything that you put in between, chas v'shalom, chas v'shalom, causes a cutoff. That is the reason why when a person did an Avera, they would physically die because where is he going to receive his energy from? Where is the, where is the, where is the flow going to come from? The flow of life in the Jew is from the inside of the abister's Panemia sakavana. That is not here when a Jew sins because that's been, that's been contradicted. So therefore, the person, the person would die. Now is where we pick off Chas fashal. Now is where we pick up on Pereg Vav, where the Alter Rebbe is going to explain that that system of life and the unique way that the Jewish people were makabal their physical life through their neshama, which is plugged in to the innermost of the divine, he says that system was, was um, active during the time when the Beis Hamikdash was standing. But when the, when the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed and the Shekhinah went to Golis, and there was destruction of the temple, and the Jewish people went to exile, it's not just that the Jewish people went, went to exile, but the entire, um, the entire um, dynamics of the universe changed. And the Jew entered into natural existence See, what we learned till now is that a Jew is not living natural existence. A Jew is in an intimate state of union with God. The rest of the creation is, is, Hashem is creating sort of through a natural system. He's giving life. He wants the world. And the world has to have billions of butterflies. The world has to have populated with people. So there is that. And and, and things flow. Things are not. There isn't that, there isn't that, um, that, should uh, we call it uh um, uh, the, no, there isn't that. Midah um, uh, connected midah. Uh, there isn't that that closeness. Where the more you're doing my will, the more I'm flowing to you. There isn't that that deep romance between the Jew and I, between the entity and Hashem, because it's distant. But the Jewish people are in this romantic connection to the Eibushim, and therefore, when you love someone very much when you love someone very much, the tiny nuances get you very upset. So if you don't like someone, who cares? But when you really like someone, why do you say that? Or why do you do this? Or why did you care about this? this, Everything gets you upset. When you love someone very much, you fight with them a lot. Because you love them so much. And so therefore, things... Oh, it's beautiful when you get along with them. Everything is nice. But you get into frictions. You get into... Thi- why? Because the love is so deep. So the, the, when, when, when there's a lack of sensitivity... So therefore, every, because you let them so deeply into your heart, into your space, into a deeper space, when there is a, there is a breach of something or a lack of something, it causes a lot of aggra- aggravation and disconnect because of the deep love. And that's, and that's the way it was in the time of the Beis Samigdash. When, however, the Jewish people go, went into exile, we sort of entered into a similar kind of existence like the nations of the world. And therefore, the Jew is able to receive his physical life, similar to a non-Jew, and the blemishes of his neshama and the disconnections of his soul do not cause an interruption of physical life because the physical life of the, of the Jew is more natural. And that's what we're going to learn over here. Perigva, It doesn't mean that we're disconnected from the Shekhinah. It means that the Shekhinah, too, descended into a natural form of existence, as we're going to see now. However, all of this is true this is all when the Jewish people were on a very high level when the Shekhinah was dwelling amongst the Jewish people in the Beis HaMikdash when the Shekhinah was dwelling amongst the Jewish people in the Beis HaMikdash so God was manifesting himself in this world in the Beis HaMikdash so then, and then what happened then? The Jewish people weren't receiving their sustenance to their body. Their soul sustenance and soul vitalizing power of their body was coming directly through their neshama. And where was their neshama receiving its vitality? Again, we said earlier, we have a body. The body is dead, Essentially. The body becomes alive when it has a nefesh, it has a soul, a spirit. That spirit isn't the spirit of holiness. That spirit is just a, a power of a spirit. It comes from what we call Klipas Noga. It's an entity that's it's just it's not it's not a part of the there. It's just part of the natural existence. But embedded in that, and that spirit, all human, all human beings have. The Jews, the Jews' natural spirit of life is a little adler. Is a little more refined than the natural spirit that that is into the in the stam by other human beings, but yet it's still part of the natural state. That nefesh, that spirit of life, also has to receive its vitality from somewhere. where it is it receiving its energy? It's received. So by the non-Jew, that vitalizing soul, the animal consciousness, or they would say the animal, the the, the, the vivifying soul is receiving its energy through higher spiritual entities, malachim, I mean, through the constellations above, and eventually through the, through the uh, ministering angels above, which receive it from the angels, and through a long, long chain. Every like, it's the, it's, it, Life is evolving from level to level as it translates into the spirit of this vivifying spirit that goes into the body and animates the body. That's the channel of life. When a person is alive, think about it, any person, walk on the street People are alive, walk, anybody, people, what's their life force? It's coming from their soul And where is their soul getting its life? It's tapping into, it's, it's. there's something channeling From a higher, there is, a, there, is a, there is, just like every blade of grass Has a malach above it, literally, every great blade of grass Has an angel above it that tells them to grow Every human being, if an angel, if a grass has an angel A human being also has an angel, a mazel. And that mazel has another mazel, and so it goes up higher. So eventually, everybody's receiving from God. But it's going through a long, long chain of command. By the Jewish people, it's not that way. The nefeshah of Bahamas of the Yid is receiving its vitality from the godly soul, the the lekis, which is abchayla kalakar. And the godly soul is plugged into where? Into the shekhinah directly. The Neshama of the Jew is like we said it all, Vayipach, it's a breath of life. It's plugged in into the Shekhinah, into God Himself. And in the Shekhinah itself, in the innermost of the Shekhinah, which is the Hay which is a part which continues further up into the Vav, eventually into the upper Hay, eventually into the Yud, eventually as it traces its wealth way back all the way, all the way to the quintessential beginnings of the Kutzei yud, the thorn on top of the Yud, which is reaching all the way into the pure Ein sof, which ultimately reaches into the Hashem's very essence. So this is a very, very direct connection. And through that the Jew had power to literally move his legs and his feet. And that's why we say, by the way, taiches uh, the, the translates, Anoichi Hashem Elokecha. I am God, your God. That's wrongly translated. It doesn't mean I am God, your God. I am God, your power. Elokecha means your power. Your physical energy to move about, to go here and there. It's coming from the Anochi, from God himself. Direct. The time, but this was only in the time of the Beisam English. Why? Because the Shina was dwelling in the Beisam English. What does that mean? it means that the divine the godly had a very direct and open expression in the physical universe what's the difference between the time of exile and the same god the Abishta runs the world The Abishter. what's the difference between time of Besamigdash, time of Geula or time of Gullus? the difference is the time of in the time of, 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 of Gullus. The Eibishter we know runs the world, but it doesn't look like it, right? It seems like the world is being run by all kinds of natural forces. The Eibishter is not a player, so to speak, that, um, that nations and people reckon with. They're doing whatever they're doing. In other words, it, it's like the Eibishter has, as Chaza, the Pasek, the Zohar says, the golos is the time when God retracts above. To a place where he's not manifesting himself in this world, he's not controlling, so to speak, in an open, in an open, visible way, the universe. When the Shekhinah was, when the Beis Amidash was standing, God was very revealed. Was Hashem was manifesting, revealing Himself, mamish in physicality, that the physical world. You can see miracles. You went to the Beis HaMikdash. You see the the physical world animated by a godly force, by Hashem. Hashem, Hashem, That's what the miracles were, clear, bypassing all the rules of nature. It's the Abister himself directly, openly engaged and expressed in the physical world. Because God is expressed in the physical, in in the Beis HaMikdash, it wasn't only in the Beis Migdash. There's Ashroah Eshashchina. What does it say? V'asoli Migdash, You'll make for me a Beis For V'shachanti and I will dwell. It's supposed to say B'socho in the Beis HaMikdash. But it doesn't say B'socho. It says B'soicham in them. Which means B'toich kol echad Ve'Echad. The Eibishter dwells in every person. Which means that when the Beis HaMikdash was standing, the godly manifestation that God is the life of, of the physical world was visible and expressed also in, 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 every, in every Jewish body. As you can, the Eibishter was translating himself and energizing the Jew in a, in a very direct, open way, in a manner that our physical bodies were receiving from the Abishter himself, not through the channels of nature. Where do you see that? Let's just give it a simple example. This, let's, let's, let's take simply. I'm just saying, this is all okay. The Ebershop is manifesting. What does that mean? Let's think about the Jews during the time of the Midbar, for instance. Forty years that the Jews were wandering in the Midbar. There it was clearly seen. Their food they're eating is a miracle. Their water they're drinking is a miracle. Their clothing is being laundered, laundered, miracle. Wars were being fought, protection, miracle. You see that their physical lives were being very... Directly influenced, impacted. Their sustenance was coming from, from something divine. Now even though when they went into Eretz Yisroel that stopped. And to a certain degree they went into much more into nature. But even then, you dove and dwell, the rain came and it rained on your field. It was open. You didn't daven well. It was clear. You saw it all the time. Rain would come, and it rained on that person's field, that person's field, and that person. In the middle it left out a little space, this person, and that person knew clearly. He did shuva, the rain came. Instantly. The people saw. It was so so even, even though Hashem is generally coming through more of a system of nature, the the cover-up of nature is so flimsy, was so thin, was so nothing hardly there when the base because the Ebishter, and if you forgot and you got yourself a little bit into the feeling that it's my own power, my own strength, my own you came to the Bay there's three times, the three pilgrimage um, holidays, you re, regained your clarity in seeing the MS, how the Ebishter is the Balabayas of the entire world, and then you realize that that's what it is in your own life, and you went back into that godly consciousness, and again your physical life was expression of of, of our divine mission of what we're, we're all about okay. what happens when the when, however when we go to exile is that in general the entire realm of the divine goes into goes into hiding and the abister removes himself from the world and the world begins to run through a system of nature and the jewish people also seem to be swept along in this force of nature even though when you step back and you look at the entire story of history, you see God's amazingly hashgacha and Hashem is miraculously protecting His people. But that's all only when you put together the pieces from a distance. But in the everyday here and there, we're sort of living life the same like every like our neighbors, like the Gentile neighbors. So what's happening is, is that the, the Eibishter is not so directly engaged, at least not... He's not so openly involved in Gashmias. Okay, so what happens? Let's go back again. So during the time when Hashem was, was manifesting in physicality, we did not receive energy and vitality to our bodies. Only through our godly soul. Levada. Alone, And our kiss is receiving it from where? From God's innermost penimius of Hashem's flow. Which we said earlier is contradicted if you do a sin. If you do a sin, you're acting against Hashem's will. So if Hashem is giving you life from His inner will, and you're, act, and you're acting against Hashem's will, so then you're cutting off your life. And cutting off your life meant physical life. Because the physical, Jew, the, the Jew's physicality, was an expression, was so intertwined with his neshama, you couldn't separate the Jew's physical existence from his spiritual existence. Mephenas penimius hashavah, Hashem aspia einsoif baruchu, which the Eibush there is Mashpia, al yedei sheim avaya Hashem is Mashpia, the Ain sof is Mashpia, it's chayas through the sheim avaya. Through the latter hay of Shem Avaya, the, 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 the funnel of breath goes down directly into the Jew. The Jew is living a life expressing Hashem's will and Hashem's wisdom and Hashem's Chachma through Torah. And I, so then the Shem Avaya with the with the with the ain't Sof is expressing itself in the Jew's life, and that's a it's physical life. A physical, the physical life of the Jew is godly life, not natural life, godly life. And then you can see clearly when Hashem says, look, I've given you a choice. When you listen to me, you're alive. And, 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 and Hashem says, U, choose life, because expressing my will, you're alive. And if chas fasholem, you do what? If you're acting anti, against my will, what happens then? You're, you're choosing death. I'm not there. And if I'm not there, there is no chayist there. If there's no chayist there, that means there's death. Similar to Adam HaRishon in Kaneda. It was clear. Hashem said, I created you for a purpose. I've invested in you. I have an interest in your existence because you're going to fulfill my will. The moment you will eat from the tree of knowledge, meaning you're going outside of what I want of you, you're stepping outside of my interest, you're going contrary to my will, you're going to die. Not because I'm punishing you, because you no, my interest isn't there anymore. You can't live. So similar to that was every Jew. But after they fell from their level, and they caused in their sins, the secret or the mystery of the exile of the Shechina, As it says, when Jews went to exile, it wasn't only they went to exile. We went to exile because we sinned. See, so here's an interesting thing. Before the Golos began, when a Jew sinned, he himself pulled out. The flow of energy to the Jewish people is coming through this inner system. A Jew pulls out, he's dead. Because he can't continue living. He can't, oh, you say, well, the non-Jew is living. The non-Jew has a whole complete different energy where he's receiving his vitality from. And the Jew is not plugged into into that external life flow. The Jew is plugged into the internal life flow. And and, and where where sin contradicts, so he can't live. But after the accumulation of sin, and Jews, like as a people, all sinned, so then they stepped out, so to speak, from this inner life flow, of Hashem's will in other words Hashem's desire and inner wish of being a king over the world was not expressed anymore through the Jewish people so they were banished from the land of Eretz Yisrael because this is a place that is meant to express God's kingship and Hashem's MS to the world and once you're not doing that anymore what are you doing here so we got and therefore you might as well just go amongst everyone else there's a nation like all other nations so the Jews are now being exiled and scattered and go away from the land of Israel but since it's the collective people, it's not just a few individuals, it's the collective people. So it's not like Hashem says, okay, I'm still being mashpi over here, but there's no one to receive. There's no one there, just a few, right? And therefore everybody's out, so you're all disconnected, doesn't work that way. At this point, God is bonded so much with us that if we go, He goes along with us. And this is the idea of what it says that when we Yidin went to Galula Edom, when Jews went to Edom, Shechina Yimam, the Shechina goes along with us. He says, as a result of our sins, when we descended mi madre Gosam from enjoying this direct and open relationship with God, in which it was very vivid and very very um, very, um, very, very um, noticeable that the Jewish people are, a, are, 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 are the inner interest of the Abister in creation. But once we fell from our level, the garmu bamseam and they caused in their activity soy the secret goloshkhina where the Shekhinah goes to exile, that means the divine presence in the world goes to exile. And that is called and that is called the secret soyd goloshkhina. That is called the secret of the exile of the Shekhinah. Why is it called the secret or the mystery? The secret or the mystery of the golos Sashchina. Because this doesn't make any sense. That if the Jewish people, that, 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 that God, we sinned, we go to exile. God goes to exile. That means there's someone, so to, so to speak, imprisoning Hashem. How can Hashem, how can the Divine Presence, how the Shechina, which is the source of life of everybody, how can anybody imprison Him? So it's a secret. The other element of why it's a secret is because really it's a game. When the Shekhinah goes to exile and allows himself to, take, to be taken into captivity, the intention is f- to destroy its captors, to siphon out the energy from them. Words, as they're taking the Shekhinah, and as we're going to see soon, what does it mean the Shekhinah is going to Golis? It means that the forces of unholiness are getting extra, are getting extra vitality. And extra power—they're getting empowerment from the Shina. God is giving them extra energy. That's what he means. It takes someone into captivity. The real idea of captivity is the person that you're is in captivity. You can—you're controlling them. You can force them to work for you, like during, like the Jews during the Nazi uh, in the in the concentration camps, were working in factories building airplane parts or whatever trenches for the Nazis. So, which means that you're working for someone uh, for your enemy. And that's what's happening with the Shekhinah. The Shekhinah is giving life and sustaining. The Shekhinah is sustaining the side of the other side. Now, how, now why, is, why is the Shekhinah doing that? Because they have, they have power over the Shekhinah. How do they have power over the Shekhinah? We cause that, Chas fashad. But ultimately, there is a deep secret over here. Because by them taking power from the Shekhinah and dragging the Shekhinah into exile, so to speak, on a, on, a, on a hidden, mysterious way, the is draining them from their energy that they have. It's almost like they're draining their energy into us as they're beating us. Like it says by Mitzrayim, a similar example to that. It, the, the, one of the muscles to that is a bee bites a person, but the bee is, drains his energy in that bite, and the, the bee dies after it bites the person. So the Egyptians, when they were, when they were, um, the Egyptians, when they were enslaving the Jewish people. Um, So the the Arachayim HaKadosh says that that was their death blow. They were draining all their energy into them as they were beating them. And that's the reason of Kashe Ya'anu Oso. As they were um, painting them, as they were torturing them, Cain Yirbeth, the Jewish people were multiplying. The Cain Yirbeth, the Cain Yifrots, and they were exploding. The population growth was tremendous. You know what it was? These were all Egyptian energy. Egyptian souls, these are sparks of holiness that were in Egypt that were now being given over to the Jewish people in the beatings, in the abuse. In the abuse, the abuser was draining his energy into the abused and that's why there were so many children being born. The Egyptian birth rate went down tremendously and the Jewish birth rate exploded because they were taking all their vitality and putting it into the Jewish people. And these were really sparks of holiness that needed to be extracted. So similar to that is when the Shekhinah goes to exile sustaining nation after nation country after country and we look through history we see that you know when the Shekhinah, when the Jewish people go somewhere the Shekhinah comes along when the Shekhinah comes along that nation becomes very very that nation becomes very powerful becomes a world power becomes very wealthy why because they're receiving extra vitality from the Shekhinah but what happens it stays that way for a hundred years, for two hundred years, for three hundred years then the Jewish people, for whatever reason, the nation kicks the the Jews out the reason is because we finished draining all the energy from them so they kick the Jewish people out and within twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years they're they're, suddenly, that great power loses all of its influence and all of its strength become an ordinary people amongst all the other nations without any power so the Jew, And it means the Bira Rani Tzutzis. And it goes from country to country, wherever the bulk of the Jewish people are, that's the powerful country. That's the world power. And it has been the United States till just now. And you see the beginning of the device because Jews are now beginning to make our, our extraction from the Golis as we're going up to Eretz Yisrael. So now what happens? So that's why it's called Soed Golis The secret of the exile of the Shekhinah. So what happens then? So first of all, he proves this idea. Come on, where do you see that we cause in our sins not only our own exile, but we cause the Shekhinah to go to exile? Come on, Shekosov, It says in the pasuk, imchem." As a result of your sins, your mother was sent away. Your mother is the Shekhinah. and Hashem is saying, as a result, I lost my Shekhinah, I lost my wife. So Hashem he said, you, those, "You guys, I have to banish you." HaShashem says, I, I, I banished my children from my home, but mom is not going to leave the children to go themselves. So mom goes along. So the ebister is left without his wife. Not only is he left without his children, he's left without the shechina. He's left without the root of the Jewish souls, the mother of the Jewish souls. So you cause not only your own exile, but the, the divine, the source of divinity in creation also goes into exile. Now the Pasik is not only a proof that the shchina goes away goes to exile shulcha she sent away it's actually a reason also it's explaining why because she's your mother how can a mother leave her children a father can leave the children the mother can't leave the children if the children go the mother has to go along the mother has a a, a, a closer attachment the father can be a father can father from the distance the mother can't father can't mother from the distance she needs to be close to her children so where where the jewish people go the shchina comes along what does that mean that the Shekhinah goes into exile? The Hainu, Sheyardah, Hashpas, Prenas, Hanal. The influence, the Shekhinah is the latter Hei. We say Yudke So the Yudke Vav, we said earlier. Remember we said that the Yudke is God as He transcends the creation? Higher than the universe. The name of Elohim, we said, is involved in the creation, is the power of creation. is Bara Elohim true, but the very, very tail end of the Yudke Vavke is also embedded in the creation, and that's the attribute of Malchus, which is the Shekhinah, which is Shochain Bittachtonim. It's interesting, the latter He of Hashem's name is synonymous with Elokim. The Hei, the Yudke Vavke is really higher than Sheim Elohim, but the He is, is sort of the same idea of the name of Elohim. So that is the Shekhinah. Now, and here is the idea. When Yiddin lived in the base, when, 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 when the world was the way it was supposed to be run, the way initially the plan of the Abishter is, God has a purpose in creation. The purpose is that the Jewish people should learn his Torah, do his mitzvahs, and through that give him expression in this dark in this world. Now that desire is that the Jewish people should learn Torah and do mitzvahs in a world that is, un, that is populated with another few billion people that are not learning Torah and doing mitzvahs, who live their lives just, what we might say, devoid of godliness. Devoid of godliness. The Jewish people should be a light the nations, and they should, they should inspire the creation, they should bring godly awareness to the world, thereby, and that would influence the rest of the world. That's Hashem's plan. So when we have the base amigdosh so therefore, if that's Hashem's plan, where is Hashem, where is the Shekhinah? Who is the Shekhinah sustaining? This is very important, we get a clear understanding of this. Who is the Shekhinah sustaining? So the Shekhinah sustaining as follows. The innermost desire of the Shekhinah is to give life to the Jewish people. So God... The source of all life, the Shekhinah, is pumping 90% of its chaya, so to speak, her inner vitality and her inner energy, to the base of And that's why in the days of Shlomo HaMelech, who was the richest country, you take a look at the land of Israel, it says you saw the grapes were the huge size, and the fruits were, there was such wealth and richness in the land of Israel, because that's where the main hashpah came. Now God also has a desire to create a big world because He didn't only create the Jewish people; He created a larger world. But that is all just we might say the backdrop. It's the scenery. It's the backdrop that that needs to be in a in a movie. That would be the extras. So the extras also have to be there, but they're not the main. They're not the main actors. So therefore, how much are you if you're paying them something? You're paying them bupkis. So the main Ashbar came weird to the Jewish people. The extras went to the rest of the world. And that's the way it was then. Until the Jewish people sinned. What happened when we sinned? We go to exile. Hashem is also taken into exile. The Eibishter, is plan of manifesting, of being expressed in the world through Torah and Mitzvahs is sort of jeopardized. There's no Gilead because even when we do learn Torah and even when we do mitzvahs, we don't see the godliness, its impact, like we did in the, base, in the time of the Bees Amikdash. So what's going to happen is, what happens is like this. and In general, godliness becomes far more shrouded and concealed in the world. You don't have any more people who the whole world can look and say, wow, these are people that are recipients of miracles. This is a place where you see God. You don't have that anymore. And the Jewish people are just scattered. And then, quite on the contrary, the Jews are downtrodden. They're persecuted. They're not seen anymore with... They're not looked upon as the princes of God's children in the world. So even on the back of every of people's minds, they know that the Jewish people are Hashem's children, but they don't treat them openly that way because it's not... And basically, it's almost like the Abishter is defeated. The other powers in the world have... Flex their muscles, and and the Eibush is so almost looks like he's not in control anymore. So what really happened is God did God stop sustaining the world? Hashem still can, sustains the world. Hashem continues. Is Hashem did Hashem stop sustaining the Jewish people? No, of course the Eibush is still giving chayas to Yidin. but the Eibush chayas to Yidin is coming through. What happens is like this. I have, to, I have to give one more tiny little akdama to understand this, because I think, uh, the internal part of the Shekhinah, when the Beis Amikdash is standing, the internal part of the Shekhinah, which means the internal energy, is flowing into Yerushalayim. The external energy of the Shekhinah is going where? To sustain the rest of the universe. The internal aspect is not natural, is miraculous. Because it's coming, you can see, what what does it mean? You see it's coming directly from God. So the Jewish people are living miracles. The external part of the world, nature. Because Hashem is giving energy down through to the, see where does nature come from? Nature comes from the system. Hashem set up and He gives life to the malachim. And these malachim give to the lower malachim. And things are systemized in a certain system. That system translates into the into the constellations and the zodiac. And the zodiac descends further and it creates... And that becomes all the forces of nature. And what we call the natural world. Which has all the rules including the survival of the fittest. And then all these rules which are the rules of the, of the natural order, is applicable. Did it apply to the Jews? No. The Jews were not the fittest, and yet they survived. So the Jews had a different system. So there were basically until the gullus began, there were two systems. A system of divine revelation and a system of divine concealment. Outside of Israel, there was divine concealment. Inside Eretz Yisrael, there's divine revelation. When Gideon go to gullus the inner part of Hashem, the inner Shekhinah, the inner part of the Divine Presence, also enters into the, into the is dragged into, is pulled, so to speak, into the, 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 the um, system of nature. Which means for the non-Jewish world, they, do, they start doing much better. Because they're not receiving any more why do you think that's such a strong interest in the destruction of the Beis HaMingdash and the destruction of the Jewish people? Because until now they were receiving only the leftovers. The leftovers. The bulk of the energy goes to Kedusha. Whatever is left over gets, gets handed out to, the exter- to, the, to, the, to, the, to that which is external. But once the Jewish people go into exile, we go, our mother goes as well, the inner vitality of the Shekhinah descends into, the, into their domain. And if it goes into their domain, that means that the Abishter is camouflaged and the Abishter is concealed. And the Abishter, so to speak, and Hashem, and Hashem, so to speak, is 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 um, compelled. That's what we said earlier. Like a person, when he's in exile, you have to work for your enemies. The Eibishter is compelled to vitalize and energize even that which is against his will. And also, that energy is what? You don't know where it's coming from. It looks like it's just coming from... Because, it's again, it's not an open, visible channel. It's a concealed, shrouded, and hidden channel. So what happens is nature becomes... The, those that are meant to take from nature become powerful. And the Jewish people are within this, in we might say like this, the Jewish people are embedded in the natural order. And we're receiving our, now, but here's a very important thing. The Jew is not really receiving chas v'shalem from the, from, the, from the same place the non-Jew is receiving. The Jew is still receiving from their mother, which is the shechina. And they receive. when we say the shechina, we mean the inner sphere of the shechina, the inner soul of the shechina, the inner part. But the, the inner soul of the Shekhinah is enclosed. It's wrapped and it's enclosed in klipa, And only through these klipas, through these shells, is the energy coming. So therefore when the Jew is receiving his life, it looks like it's natural. It looks like it's a natural chayas, the same way the non-Jew. Our life it seems to be just as natural as our, non, as our non-Jewish neighbors and the, and that's the concealment and that's the channel that's the challenge of gods when that happens since the natural system allows for Chaius to come even if you're even if you're contradicting god's will you can you you can still live like we spoke earlier life life is not is not determined by adherence adherence to god's Tashem's commandments. Because in those external realms, what, what makes you successful in life? Well, do you have a college degree? Do you have a thing? Do you have a good parnasa? you have that? These are things that make you successful. It's, it's all run by, 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 by the rules and regulations of natural existence, nothing to do with doing a mitzvah and that's giving you life. So therefore what happens? Jew, a Jew is able to continue living, even in defiance of the Hashem's will, and even when he's over and avera that he's high of is which would cut him off. Had the system been an open system where Hashem is giving life to the Jew because the Jew is expressing his will, and as we said earlier, when you cease, when you're not expressing his will, you're contradicting it. So you're becoming disconnected. But now the chayus is not the life flow is not coming anymore in that open manifest. The Abishter is giving life, channeled, obscured, shrouded in nature. And that system is a system. It's a system that, that runs, whether you're listening to the Abishter, it has nothing to do with, it's at least not, when I say nothing to do, I mean to say it's not openly related to God, to God or anything godly. What's the sad part about that? And the one man's a good thing. You can sin and still be alive. The terrible thing about that is that our life is natural is life. It's not openly godly anymore. Even though deep, deep, deep in essence it is. But that's for all it's not it's not sensed that way, felt that way, experienced that way, and visible that way. And a Jew can see himself like a natural, and that's why the Jew can say, I can I can marry a non-Jew. I don't see the difference. We're all the same. There's no, there no clear demonstration that the Yid is receiving from a whole different place. This idea means that the Shekhinah, the Hei tata, the Shekhinah, has enclosed herself in what we call over here called Klipas Noiga. The Shekhinah doesn't go directly into the real ugly klipos, The real forces, now in the world, let's understand something. In the world, there are forces, destructive forces. There are, the f- there are there are physical forces in the world, physical, destructive forces, like we're seeing so many of them in the world today, really ferocious, horrible um, uh, um, people and 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 groups of people. But besides for the physical forces there are they come, they have a spiritual source, and their spiritual sources are real anti. Anti Hashem, they wage war against God. They wage war against holiness. They're, they're here to bring destruction. The Shechina is not chas v'shalom enclothed in them. At least now, you can't say none of the Shechina because or else they can't live. External, external, tiny little crumbs of the Shechina is everywhere. That's the gullus, That that's, that has to do nothing to do with our with our gullus. That has to do with the sin of Adam and Rishon. from the sin of the eight sadas. The ex- external energy going into the klipas, now, even the worst, darkest klipas. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about where the shechina itself went and was enclosed in. And that's only in a very subtle klipa called klipas noga. And what is the what is the nature of klipas noga? Klipas noga means one thing. Klipas noga means mundane life. But life is mundane. Kedusha means. Kedusha means life is holy, sacred, which means everything in life is that you can sense the godly, you can sense the divine is for the purpose of the divine. That's holiness. When the Jewish people were in Eretz Yisroel, we basically had a physical manifestation of kedusha. Once we go to exile, the Shechina which is the Abishter, is camouflaged in a mundane force of existence. Which means, is it bad? Is it evil? No. Is it good? No. It's nothing to do with morally good or bad. It's just a force of life, which runs by nature. Doing good or doing bad has no repercussions in this. Keeping a healthy diet and exercising will make a difference, because that is... That is, what's it called again, natural life. Finding a good means of primasity. All these natural elements make a difference. But doing a mitzvah or not doing a mitzvah doesn't have an impact. So for instance, today's days we know if I do an avera, let's say I go and I missed Shema one day. I was lazy, I didn't get up. And I, and I missed reading the Shema. So if I'm a sensitive person, I know that my nishama is damaged. My neshama didn't get its breakfast. When Shema say is is is, is maln uh, whatever is missed, missed its 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 meal, and it's in a, it's in a terrible state, but physically do I have a physical headache? Am I physically weak because I didn't say Shema? No. Why should it? Physical life is is ruled is governed by other by 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 the laws of of med, of the medical science of whatever by, a, by biology, uh, whatever, whatever it is. It's not. It's not contingent and related to... But that was not when the Beis Hamikdash was standing. But the Beis Hamikdash was standing, a person had a headache, and he was wondering, why do I have a headache? And he realized, because I didn't say Shema in the morning. Because because physical life was directly translated from your spiritual life, because Hashem, the Shechina, was manifesting in in the physical world directly. Once the Shechina, however, was enclosed in nature... So now we're dealing with mundane existence. The Ebershter is giving life through a wrapper. What, what, what does the Klipa do? What does the Klipa noiga do? It covers the Shekhinah. And it presents itself that life is just, it's called Eitz Adas It's a mixture, good and bad. Now, Mundane. Now, when you're, when, when, when you're living in a mundane world, you could do good things, you could do bad things. But, but but the very the very laws of nature don't push you to do good or do bad. The laws of nature are suggesting to you to follow certain rules to be to be successful. Nothing to do with Yiddishkeit. That's the difference. Ach, so let's see over here. So the Shina descended from level to level, Lamata Mata very below. Atshanis until she became enclothed her Hashpa Beyutzviras de Noiga in the ten attributes of the Klipas Noga, Hamashpias Shefa, which Klipas Noiga gives flow, the chayas and life, Al Yidea Mazalois. shchina gives life through mitzvus. You hear the difference? Give a gives life through at what? what does Shina give life through? Shchina gives life through, um, through mitzvahs, mitzvah observance, that determines health. That's when Shchina gives life. But when Shchina is camouflaged and covered with a wrapper, then then, then how is the how is the coming? It's coming through the mazalis, through the constellations, the cholzavah shamayim and all the supernal um, um, hosts, malachim, the and the ministers, shaleim that are upon them and from there through this whole system which is a very natural system life is translated down the chalahaya gashmi to all physical life this in this physical world vigam meaning the birds the plants the animals are all receiving life from this from the from a system that has nothing to do with 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 mitzvah observance or non-mitzvah observance right a cat is life on is not contingent on mitzvahs, right? So he's saying, but now, during the Golas, the Shekhinah itself entered into this system. As opposed to before, the Shekhinah was outside, and only the tail of the Shekhinah was supporting the system. Now the entire Shekhinah went into this system, this natural system. And therefore, the Jews that are connected to the Penemius are also receiving through a system that is... That is camouflaging and covering on the MS and the panemius of of why the Abishter is really giving life, so that we should learn Torah and do mitzvahs. But it's not it's not visible, and it's not, and and that does not necessarily, at least to our eyes, determine our success in this world, our health, and our well being. Kamaim say, ain't lech kol of There isn't a blade of grass down here below. She mazel that doesn't have a mazel. That means that everything has a mazel, which means a, a, a spiritual source. And, and so it's interesting. So now there's an interesting of develeio. Hear hear this. No. So let's learn one line, one extra line. For and then in this case, gamay So now, once the whole system has changed, so then even a sinner, a Poisha Yisrael, and someone who is deliberately sinning. He's able to lakabul lagufam, to receive sustenance and life to his body. The ha-bahamis and his animal soul. A person is able to physically be alive, like all other animals. Mamish like it says in the Pasuk, As long as the shechina was directly engaged and involved in giving life to the world, and manifesting herself through her children, through the Jewish people in this world, where our lives were a lives of holiness, a lives of expressing the divine, a life of purpose. So then the moment you step out of purpose, you're disconnecting. Not every sin, Chas killed a person completely, but every sin brought damage in one's physical life. Sooner or later you can see it. A person can see it sooner or later. You see in Chumash all the time, the Ebersheter says, if you're, only gonna, if you're not going to give tzedakah, then you ends up, your fields are only going to give a tenth of what... So even though that rule applies today also, but today it's, it's, it's done in a way that is so hidden that we don't see it. But in the time of the base Aminash, it was very clear. You didn't give your Meisur one year, you didn't give your tzedakah that one year, you saw the next year your crop was so poor. It was so clear, it happened so visible. All right. So, the, 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 the life, the physical world, was very clearly a, 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 an expression of, of godliness. But now, after things have changed, after the Shechinah has gone into a system that conceals and blocks, so then also a sinner, and even someone who's directly rebellious, he can still receive physical life. Like the rest of the animals, like it says in the Pasuk. That we, the 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 the, the, the psalmist, the the the, the 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 David HaMelech and Tehillim is saying, we're compared to animals. Like the cow's life is not contingent on observance on putting on tefillin or keeping Shabbos or keeping kosher. In the same way, we have also fallen into that category that our lives seem to be so natural. And we can chas uh, shalom, which means like you know when the when the when the chasid said to the Alter Rebbe. The, the Altar Rebbe wanted, no, the Hasid didn't even ask for it? Rebbe Yukasil Liepler was the great Chasidim of the Altar Rebbe, and the Altar Rebbe wanted to give him a bracha to live a long life. So he he made a condition. Usually, when someone give, wants to give you a blessing for something, you know, you just take the blessing. But this Chassid made a condition with the Rebbe. He said, on the condition that I'm willing, to, I want a long life, but only if it's going to be, not, I, I want to be long, it, it shouldn't be po'yad It shouldn't be peasanty life. That They have eyes and they don't see. They have ears. My very life has to be a godly life. If it's not a godly life, I don't want to live it. I don't want to live it. If it's a life that's just empty, hollow, mundane, that's not life. So what is he saying? David is saying, that our lives in exile are like, are like the animals, like a gorilla is alive, um, so also alive. It's not in a. It's not as a consequence of your relationship with the Eibershter, in which you, in which your life is an elevated life, it's a godly life. But, but 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 for that you have to pay a price. The price is if you're not listening, you're off. The, you're, you're 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 not receiving. It's a diminishment." So the Tanah of Eliyahu, it says a story like this, that someone met Eliyahu and he asked him the question, how come the Abishta created mosquitoes and gnats and bugs? So, so Eliyahu, he answered him and he said, because the Abishta saw that there will be sinners and therefore they won't be deserving to live because they're sinning, they're not deserving life. But then, in, in order to be able to spear the lives of the sinners, he created creatures who he sustains, and there's not much purpose for their existence. They're just here. The gnats, the mosquitoes, they're just flying around just, just because there's no, like, any positive, uh, uh, meaningful existence to them. So the Abishta sees them, and he says, just like they exist, and I let them survive, I'll let the sinners survive as well. But what kind of life is that when your life is as significant as a mosquito? What kind of life is that? But you see, that idea, that the Abister says, that there is possible for a person's existence to be with that level of divine interest as being as a mosquito. When the Beis English was standing, our place was in a much, as he said earlier, where where our lives were so meaningful that the moment you weren't fulfilling your meaning, your purpose, it... it, 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 it it caused a diminishment in life. But once we have gone into exile, the Shekhinah above, the, the entire system of how the to gives life to the world changed. So there can be a sustaining of life even if... And that explains again, that goes back to explain the question that he began with, how come we have people living lives even though they sinned big averes, in which they're high of karis, because... That system is not the system of today. Today, if the person would die, it's going to be a punishment. It's not going to be a natural, because he sinned and he's not receiving. A good example would be, let me give it a, a good example of this. We, 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 we get our oxygen from our nostrils and our mouth. That's how we breathe. So what happens if someone closes his mouth and, and, and closes his nose? He can't lift to someone. So long. So if Vashon, if they went and they someone clamped someone's mouth, they can suffocate, and they wouldn't be alive. What happens, however, if this person, for whatever reason, they inserted a breathing tube, not through his mouth, not not his mouth. They opened up a because of whatever. This is a person, and they have a a a a a, a hole, so to speak, in their, in their in their some in their throat or whatever, in which there is a pipe to breathe a ventilator or something, some kind of a pipe of breathing. So even if you close their m- nose and their mouth, the person can still to living because they're not receiving their oxygen through that place. They have another entrance for the oxygen to enter. And that's what the altar is really saying over here. When things are the way they're supposed to, when we're breathing through our nose and our mouth as Jews, so if you close the nose and the mouth, then they won't live anymore. But in the time of Gullus, a new channel opened up. Not a good channel. I mean a channel in which we, we are sustained like mosquitoes are sustained and like other things are sustained. Now again, I want to differentiate and explain something very, very very important. Is that it's not chas v'sholem that the Jew is receiving the life from the klipa, from the, the mosquito is receiving from, from klipas Noiga. From the klipa. Ultimately the klipa receives it from the eibishter, but really the eibishter is sustaining the klipa, and the klipa is giving life to all the creatures of this world. That's a mosquito. The Jewish people are receiving the life from the Shechina because we said earlier she's our mother. We're intrinsically connected and we can never be separated. It's only that what that the Shechina herself went down and became concealed in the Klipa, and therefore she's operating by the rules of the Klipa. And what's the rules of the Klipa? Shh, you can't you can't be loud Shechina. You can't say you can't give life, and declaring that it has to do with purpose. You have to be completely. Anonymous, and make things look like there is no God and there is no a purpose of creation and things are just things are just it's just a natural world without any purpose it's a pathetic type of existence that we exist as in, in, in Gods. but it has an advantage the advantage is if we sin we're able to still repair which we wouldn't have in the time of the Besamigdash because a person sinned they died right away Today's days we can live longer life and therefore repair the damage of a sin because we don't get physically cut off immediately. Faadirabba, now the Rebbe adds, faadabba. And not only is it possible for a person to continue to receive life even after they sinned, meaning after they pulled their plug, after, I'm sorry, even after the person sinned, they can still receive their highest during the time of exile not only can they receive like animals but they actually it's possible for them to receive even more because of the sin itself that can add life temporarily to a person in other words a person can be successful because of their sin the other yes they can actually increase their, their excuse me their success during the time of exile during the time, as a result of a sin. How is that possible? But only temporarily. This is not long. The sin itself can make someone successful. al pi amavur based on what it says in the Zohar, and this idea which he's going to explain now, is, it was this concept, this is a very, that the Shekhinah went to Golis, the Shekhinah goes into Klipa. We said earlier, the Shekhinah goes into a very subtle Klipa. The Shekhinah goes into a very subtle Klipa. A klipa that's not evil, but a klipa that is that is mundane. It's not expressing godliness. But then there are klipas that are evil, sinful, really at- atrocious. As a result, as a result of a person's personal sins, the Altar Rebbe says he. The Shekhinah going into exile was a result of the collective sin of the Jewish people. We stepped out of that unique, special relationship with God where God's, where God's life force was flowing to us in a very open way. We, 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 stopped, we, don't deserve, we didn't deserve that anymore. So the Eberster moved over and went back and, came, and, he, and he has distanced himself from us in the sense that he has hidden in the natural world. Now, while we're in Gullus, when a Jew sins, he's actually entering into the dark klipas. He's not remaining in the natural world, in the mundane world, you see. If our lives are just mundane, not sinful, not bad, it's mundane. I'm not doing a godly thing, I'm just living, stop. Then we were hovering in the middle of this klipa called Chas v'sholem of a Jew does a, a sin. So then he's entering into the ugly, into the chambers of the ugly klipas, as we're going to see soon. By doing that, he's pulling along the shechina also with him into the ugly klepa, because wherever the Jew goes, the shechina goes. So what the person is doing is he's adding more energy and more vitality into these darker klepas that were that initially were, initially, were receiving only a tiny little bit of energy. Because what happens is like this: the Shechina gives life to the Klepas Noga, Klepas Noga leaks a little bit of energy into the darker Klepas. The, the, the Klepas Noga, the glowing shell, acts as an intermediary, as a mediator between kedusha, between holiness, and the. Because Hashem would never ever give life to the to the real dark Klipa. never do that. So He gives life to the Pariv Klipa, so to speak, and they pass on that energy. But how much do they give? Not a lot, a little bit. When a Jew sins, he adds vitality into the klipa, depending on what kind of sin. And that adds energy and power to these very very dark forces. Now what happens? What they do is they give the person a kickback. Since the person added energy to them, they give a person commission. So what happens is that a Jew can be successful and the success can be coming from very dark energy. Real klipa dig life. And that's going back to Rabbi Yucasiel Leepler who says, I don't want that life. I don't care if I have money. I don't care if I live long life. Life that's dark and black coming from real dark energy that stands in total opposition to God. I don't want that extra energy. But you see from here that that's possible. And that's why he's going to explain that a person is possible not only to, to survive sin, but actually be successful from the sin itself because th- the klipas receive more energy when the person is sinning. Because again, as we said earlier, the Jew is always connected to the inner to the inner core of life. And where the Jew goes, God will go. So the Jew is pulling this inner source of vitality and therefore enriching the klipa with a very, very big enrichment. That's why every cult has at least... A- A few Jews inside of it. And they want a Jew because through the Jew is where they receive all their energy. Frightening because a Yid gives Chayas wherever he is the Abishtar is with him. So you get extra vitality. So they give him some commission. But it's going to dry up eventually because there's a certain point where the Shekhinah stops, where there's a certain disconnect. See, they'll have their usage and once they're done, it says on Chassid, the other doesn't say it over here, they, they, they'll, they'll, because they're, not really, not, they're not really not interested in helping the person. They're using it to their advantage. And after a while, they'll just dump the person. Because there's no real relationship there. There's no emis to it. So they just want to use the person as much as they can get out of him. And afterwards, they'll actually come back and harm him, Chas So now, we say, And even to a greater degree, she was now going to explain that a person's actions actually determine where the Shekhinah's energy is flowing. In general, the time of Gullus, the Shekhinah has been uprooted from her, spe- from her place, where she had a very visible direct channel of Kedusha to the world. And she went into camouflage, concealed state in the clip. But now the Jewish people that are that are in the exile can determine can affect where they're now. He's going to say something very liberating over here as well, and that is even though he's going to give it, he's going to say like based on what it says in the Zoyar Pashas Pekude, that all the influence and all the life that is flowing to the to the human to the to the to the mortal human being down here. At the moment and at the instant that a person is doing against God's will, when a person is sinning and he's doing something against God's will, God is sustaining him. Hashem is giving you life, but we're but acting against Hashem's will. So what happens is like this. Who is supportive of that action? Who wants that action to happen? Not the Abishter. Abish doesn't want that action to happen. The klipas and the sotra This is their activity. They want this. They want people to tell lies. They want people to be dishonest. They want uh, because that's what that's what they're all about. They're all about dishonesty. They want to perpetuate dishonesty. They want to perpetuate cruelty. They want to perpetuate immorality, and immodesty, and all these things. So therefore, they're the ones who sustain when a person is doing an avera. Where is he getting his chayas from? He's getting it from the art from these. Chambers of klipa. these dark, dark energies, they're the ones who support it. And that so I'm going at the time and the moment. When a person does bad in the eyes of God, whether an activity, whether it's an whether it's an action, or a person is speaking something that is against Hashem's will, or even a thought. Or a person is thinking in Avera. So you're getting energy to think that thought. Where is that energy coming from? Every moment the person is receiving energy from God, from above. The physical world is animated by the spiritual source. But the question is, what's that spiritual source? There are holy chambers above. There are holy, holy channels. Let's put it, put it in other words, I'm out of it. There are holy channels and there are unholy channels. When a person is thinking holy thoughts, his life is flowing from Kedusha. When a person is thinking unholy thoughts, his life is flowing from the realm of unholiness. So at the moment when a person is either doing a sin in action or in speech or in thoughts of sin, v'chulu and the like, the, the flow is coming from the chamber, of the Sitra Achra of the other side, Sitra Achra over here means much lower than what we spoke earlier, the Klipa, that the Shinah enclosed itself in. Because the Shekhinah enclosed itself only in Klipa Snoga, that's not called Sitra Achra. The other side over here means the real dark elements of existence. In the Zohar it goes on to explain about all these chambers of darkness that there are, where a person can plug in to receive vitality from and a person, and this is a very powerful statement, a person has choice if to receive his vitality from the chambers of the sitra achra, or from the heichal of holiness. Because we're constantly, every moment of our life, we are deciding where we're receiving our vitality. When we if we're thinking holy thoughts, our vitality is flowing directly from kedusha. If we're thinking unholy thoughts, our vitality is coming from at that moment from the echolus of the Sidrach. But here's what's happening. Let's think about it. So good. When a person is receiving from the klipa, the klipa is now depositing energy. But the the, the klipa has to replenish. They're giving the person. Hear hey, hey what I'm saying. I feel, I feel there's a disconnect over here. Please be a they're, they're being mashpia to the person. They're, they're negative thoughts. They're giving him life. He, the person can't receive life from the ebishter. He's acting against God. So there's energy deposited already in the klipa. The klipa, has, the klipa is funding this operation. They're funding this thing. But, but if, they, if they spent now some of their money, they need to replenish. Where are they going to go to replenish it? They have to replenish it from the ebishter. But they have no access to God. Why should God give them funding? Oh, no, they do. Because this soul of this individual who's plugged into the Abishter has to replenish them. Not only does he replenish them, but he actually gives them a chunk of life. Because till now they had no access to the inner vitality. They only had access to the outer vitality. Because they didn't have a Jew. They only had what the Abishter gives ascribes to them. The Abishter makes his budget every year. To Kadusha he wants to give a bunch of life. To klipa he gives them a little bit. Tull for the Jew comes, gives is becomes a recipient from them as they are supporting him. They can tap into the Jew's neshama and take energy. So really, it's really, it's really a real. The Jew is really being cheated in a very big way. Even though they're writing him a check and they're giving him and they're giving him life, they are really robbing the Jew much more than what they're giving him imagine a person who's got this big big bag of stones he thinks they're regular stones he has no idea what they are meanwhile these are the gems the most precious gems beautiful diamonds and he got a bunch of bandits to come they take away the stones from him and they sell it they make a killing and they give him a couple of dollars you know they give him a couple and he's so happy because he got money for his stones he doesn't realize that they what he really possessed is endlessly more valuable than what they gave him. They gave him a little nothing. And they kept all of that. And that's the story that's going on over here. When the person chooses to do an Aver to Has he's receiving, he's opening himself up to receive vitality from Klippa, but at the same time, causing the Klippa to receive vitality of his like he's going to explain in a moment. The person has Bechira in his life to choose where his vitality is going to come from. Holy thoughts, holy speech, and holy action channels energy from kedusha. Unholy thought, sinful thought, sinful action, sinful speech channels energy from the from the from the sitra. Now it's interesting. What I want to, to to emphasize is that he says that even in the time of exile, the Jew can be makabul from kedusha which one might ask and say, hold it, didn't we say that the Shekhinah itself left the world of holiness and the Shekhinah uprooted itself and became camouflaged and enclosed in Klipa? If the Shekhinah became enclosed in Klipa and our vitality comes from the Shekhinah, so how is it possible for a Jew to be macabre his energy from Kedush? In other words, during exile, can a Jew's physical life still be holy? Can my blood, can my energy that's flowing in my body, in my hands and my feet, still be a godly, a godly life, or does it have to be mundane? So we learned earlier, it has to be mundane, because our physical life, our physical life is coming from from from, 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 from the from the mazalos, because that's where the shchina is at. So he says clearly, not that way, that a person can still be makabel from kedusha. But what does that mean? Does that mean that you bypass the you bypass the shchina? The shchina is, is 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 trapped in an in an exile, in a klipah. So how can you receive from Kedusha? And the answer is, what did we say earlier? Which klipa is the Shekhinah enclosed in? Which in the klipa? Noga. Klipa's Noga is a very subtle klipa. See, but Noga can very easily be integrated into holiness. So it's true. The vitality that's flowing to a Jew every second is klipa. It's klipa energy. It's mundane life. It's natural life. But the moment the Jew is doing a mitzvah with that, with that, with that energy, he's taking the vitality and doing a mitzvah. What happens to klipas noga? Klipas noga becomes absorbed in kedusha. This is the idea. Like, like the Rebbe says, this is similar to what he explains in Tanya, that when a person speaks words of Torah, the energy of those words are coming from his nefesh Bahamas. It's not coming from the inspiration to speak those words are coming from their neshama, from their soul. But the energy to speak those words are coming from their Nefesh Bahamas. Nefesh Bahamas is a klipa diga entity. It's not Kedush. But yet when you're speaking words of Torah, what happens to that energy? The, en- the klipas Noga energy gets, sub- gets integrated and absorbed in Kedusha. Because that's the nature of Noga. It's, mand- it's, it's, it's nishta. It's parav. It's mundane. It can go this way, it can go that way, depending on what you do with it. Therefore, even in the time of Gaulus, a Jew can, can, can be living, his physical life can be holy. That's what a tzaddik is. And that's why we learned to somewhere else that for great tzaddikim, it's almost like the Chorban Beis Amikdash never happened. Because to them, they're still living in that, in that domain of pure Kedusha. So their lives are holy. Because they never step out of holiness. All thoughts are holy thoughts, all speech is holy speech, all action is holy action, so their physical lives are just an expression of, 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 of godliness. That's why when you touch a tzaddik, you're touching holiness, physical holiness. You're touching godliness because the ebister is fully manifest in the tzaddik's sense And each and every one of us, when we are doing a mitzvah, our our physical bodies are dig because the energy flowing in our body is from kadushadik. But just like noga can be can be absorbed in holiness, noga can also be, can turn to klipa. That's determined on which way a person directs that energy. If a person directs that energy towards, if a person directs his machshava, his thought, speech, and action towards kedusha, then he's taking the shechina and the, the shell around the shechina and making that shell become transparent. Completely, and then he's like receiving directly from the shechina. There's no shell because the shell has become absorbed in, in the shechina. If chas v'shalom, the person is, is sinning, he's making the shell be far more opaque, pulling it into the darker klipas, receiving his energy through very dark klipas. And when he receives, he or she receives their energy through very dark klipas temporarily, they might be successful, make more money. gain gain some other monetary gain, But, uh, but as they're doing that, they are receiving from the klipa and supporting the klipa. And they're supporting the klipa much more than they're receiving from the klipa. They're giving the klipa much more than what they're getting. They're losing so much more than what they're getting and they're giving chayas to the other side. That's what he's saying over here. So let's see it again. Because one opposite the other Hashem made and a person has Bechira every moment to, in which to drink from this faucet or drink from that faucet. And the chambers of the and where does the... If the person is receiving their his chayas, chas from Kalipa, where is the Sitra Akhra receiving its, its chayas? From klipas Noiga. Where is klipas Noiga receiving its chayas? From the shechina. So what is the person doing chas if he's opening up the wrong faucet, drinking the water, causing more klipas Noiga energy to, f- to flow into sholosh klipas atmeyes, causing more shechina energy to flow into klipas, dragging the shechina chas lower. And that's the idea of the private golos a shechina that a person does as a result of a sin. Kizet meaning aside for the general that happened when Yidden went to Golas, there is an intensification of Golas hashchina every time we do something we shouldn't be doing. Kizelu umaze also lekim vayecholus again vayecholus sitra achra and the chambers of the sitra achra mekamblim they receive the yonkim chiyusam and they derive their chayus mehislapshus from the enclovenment the hishtalshus hashefa and the prog- and the chaining and the and the progression and the evolving evolution of flow, the yutzfeiris de the noiga of the ten attributes, because just like Kedusha has 10 attributes, the Noga also has 10 attributes, which is which is in, encompassing and enclothing, Haklula Meprenas tovera, which they are, which Klipas Noiga has Tov and Ra inside of it. Because Klipas Noga has tovera. It can give chayas to the Sitra achra. It's the Eat the tree of knowledge, As it is known to those who know the secrets of the hidden 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 the hidden the Chachmanistara means the hidden the hidden the hidden, the, hidden um, the mystical part of it. Yeah. Okay. Now this idea. So till now we learned that what we're almost done, another we have Mamish another twenty, maybe fifteen minutes. now now the altar ebba comes and the Alter Rebbe says that this this process of that the person is now, okay, the Alter Rebbe still didn't explain I, I explained it because I jumped ahead but the Alter Rebbe so far didn't explain why a person can not only survive sinning in, th- in today's days even if the sin is something that warrants kareis, a person is able to survive because the physical life of a Jew is not plugged in directly into the mucker, like it was in the time of the Beis Hamikdash. That, that a violation of God's will should cause him to die immediately. So that he explained. But he didn't explain yet. He added and he said not only that, but a person can actually gain from his sin. Be successful from the sin. So we said, till now, he added one thing, that a person has a choice where he can be makabal his chayas. Now he's going to add that when the yid is makabal the chayas, receiving his energy from the klipa, he's not only receiving, he's also transmitting. That's this idea. <speaking in Hebrew> Yaakov is the rope of his inheritance. Ksiv. Now even though, it's interesting, even though this Pasek the Altar Rebbe mentioned already in the previous chapters, that Yaakov is the rope of his inheritance, and he translates rope to mean a rope, that the neshama is a, like a rope coming down, from his words, the way he introduces it over here, Yaakov chevel he implies like he's beginning to teach a new thing, like he never taught before. Because he should have said, "Vekiv on she Yaakov chevel and since Yaakov is the rope, and he doesn't say that, and behold," as if he's introducing this concept that the Jew is a rope for the first time. And the reason for that is, even though he just mentioned in the last chapter, and he explained it that there's a rope and our neshom is connected above, because over here there's a tremendous khidush, a novelty in the understanding of the Jew as being a rope over everything that he explained before. A new dimension in this idea. And that is, we'll see in a minute. <speaking> in <Spanish> Yaakov is a rope. By way of analogy, just like a rope. When you have a, a, a cord and one side of the cord, or one side of the rope, is attached above. And the second end of the rope is tied below. If someone is going to pull tug at one end of the rope, the second end, he's going to cause the upper end of the rope also to move and also to shake. You can't pull the one side of the rope without impacting the other side of the rope. So too is a Yitz Neshama, A Jew cannot say ever, I am going to do an Avera. But please, Ebeshter, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to impact you. So you stay over there. I'm not going to harm you. Let me do this on alone. I want to be... You can't do that. Because wherever you go, the source of your neshama comes along with you because it's one neshama. And the source of your neshama is the shekhinah. So therefore, a person should... It's just an interesting thought to think. Like By what right, if I want to do this to myself, if I want to abuse my own soul, but what right do I have to abuse the shechina and drag the shechina with me? The Rebbe writes to a... It's to such a beautiful letter. The Rebbe writes to a chassid. The guy is a, was a shliach, I think. And, the Rebbe, and he's decided that he wants to take courses in college. And the Rebbe is writing to him, discouraging him from doing that but he shouldn't go to college, and he shouldn't go. And the Rebbe says, okay, Mela, you decided you want to go. He says, but you know, you're a chassid from the Rebbe. He, 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 he's talking about the Rebbe the Shver, meaning his father-in-law, but he means himself, because whenever he refers to his father-in-law, he means you know, who's, the, who's now manifesting his father-in-law's energy is him. He says, by what right do you have to schlep the Rebbe with you? Since wherever the chassid goes, the Rebbe goes along with you. So Mele says, "But what right do you have to me to drag me in this? Are you going to say that what? That's for a little while. You're gonna disconnect yourself from me, and you're gonna go yourself. So you don't harm me. You want to do this on your own. You don't want to harm me. He says. He says. He says. But since when a person becomes Mekushar to a rebbe, makes a connection, he makes a knot. You make a knot in which you bond yourself to the tzaddik. But the tzaddik also makes a knot in which he bounds himself to you. You can undo your knot, but you can never undo the knot that the tzaddik, that the rebbe. Uh, nodded himself to you so even if you want to undo your knot I'm still will always be knotted with you it's a shakayama which never and therefore please don't take me into your into your garbage basically that's what he's saying I, 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 it, do it if you don't do it for yourself at least spare me the, the, the pain right. So that's this amazing thing. that's basically the idea that he's explaining over here. It's, it's, it's he's saying come on there in the second one. Lamat also the upper one as much as you can pull it and the same is also in the root of a person's neshama and its root which is the lower hay as we said earlier which is the shechina the person is draws is mamshech. And he draws down the hashpa of the shechina, Yuday Maisov, through his negative deeds, um, and his thoughts, into the inner, into the chambers of the other side. And why are you bringing it in over there? Because that's where you're receiving your your your, your hashpa. The person is going to receive energy from that place, so and he's going into those, into those places to receive chayas, so he pulls the upper end of the string which is the shechina into, into there and therefore he's, he's giving tremendous boost to the forces of unholiness um, and, and, and here's, here's something we don't like to think about and this is something that is a horrible thought but it's and therefore one might argue and say ignorance is bliss and it's better if I stick my head in the sand and I don't know about this but the idea is like this. This is, this is not just mystical things. This is very very real and very physical, in the sense that what all this hashpa to the klip and the sitra achra translates into money to terrorists. It translates into where do you think the 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 hashpa comes from to these to the to the 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 wealth and the uh, to to to, to the, the negative elements in the world. It comes. It's, it's all. So if the Jew intensifies its chayis, it means literally the money for ISIS and for Hamas and for the, the, all this stuff. This is chayis coming from Kaddush because they don't have a on their own. And chas I mean, it's, it's, it's something we don't want to think, but we have to realize that, you know, a person says, so I'm doing something. I'm doing it in my own bedroom. I'm doing it in my own, in my own privacy, of my own life. So what is it? I'm doing my... Uh, it's, it's, it's not that way. It, 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 it empowers forces of unholiness, giving them extra boost of energy. And that's why the Eight Sahara says, it says in the Gemara, that the Eight Sahara leaves the Gayam alone and he just bothers the Jews. Jew has the eight Sahara, doesn't Nandra doesn't even have the Eight Sahara because when the Jew sins, it, it's 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 terrible. He's giving a lot of energy into the unholy. And but he says, since the person was the one who brought all this wealth and all the hashpah to them, that's why they'll they'll give him a commission. And they give him a chalik in it. And that's why uh, this answers the question of how come people who are chayav of Kari's, not only they live in the, today's days, but they can live a pleasant life. They can live a pleasant life. And this is why the sages say, the sages say that in our days, we don't have today any of this idea of the tranquility of the wicked. We don't have of the tranquility. So the Baratunuri gives two purushim. Number one, we don't understand how come the wicked are, are, are prosper. We don't have an explanation on that idea. We don't have a tam. Another explanation the Baratunuri gives is, we don't see this, that wicked people have tranquility. This, this, and this doesn't apply to us. We don't have that. What does he mean by that? So the Bartenura explains. It means that um, there is a certain a certain thing that it says. That why why do you see sometimes wicked people have have a good life? So it says the answer is that Lahavidoy. That Hashem pays back. Hashem wants. To, Hashem doesn't want these people to have to repay them in Gan and Olam Haba. So Hashem wants to pay them off. If they did a little bit of good, He wants to give them all the reward in this world so they can be doomed. For the few, for the world to come, so that's why. So the bartenura says we don't have that today. That rule doesn't apply today because we are not such we're not such rishayim. You gotta be super wicked for that for that system that God doesn't want to have anything to do with you in the future and He wants to pay you off completely now. That's the bartenura's pirish. The question, however, according to that, is the altar is bothered. By the words, en biyadeinu. Biyadeinu means in our hands. Why is he emphasizing biyadeinu, meaning in our days? L'chayra, um, if we're not so wicked, I mean, this idea, it's, it's saying it about the Jewish people, that we're not so wicked, that this should apply to us. Um, what does it have to do, dafkabiz managalas? En nu in our times. L'chayra, this was applicable any time. Why the emphasis on be a day new now? Possible to answer. And say this, that we're not wicked, that we're not so wicked, that there aren't such Rishayim, is only in the time of Gulas. Because in the time of galus, since there's such hell and vehester, since there's such concealment of, the, of godliness in the world, we can't be accountable so much for our sins. In other words, there's someone sin in the days of the Beis Megdash when there was ten miracles happened, you saw Gilead and you still sinned, oh, that was such a very serious, that was considered such a terrible offense, that the wicked was really wicked, and that's why that rule applied. The rule that the wicked, that Hashem pays them up quickly to be murdered. But during the time of exile, when we're not, like Hazal say, it's similar to what the sages say, that that, um, that an amaretz, that a a person who is ignorant, even his intentional sins, are, not, are considered unintentional. Because he doesn't really understand the severity of it. Similar to that in the time of exile. So that's what we can say about the Mishnah means. Ain be ordain new today. The rule of having the wicked prosper because Hashem wants to just pay them up. That doesn't apply in our days after the Kharban Beis Hamikdash. But before that. But it's a little quetched Based on what the Al is explaining, however, it does make sense. The Altar Rebbe is saying, but is based on this pirush. When the Altar Rebbe is saying the reason why there should be tranquility to the, to the wicked, the reason why there should be tranquility to the wicked, not because Hashem wants to pay them up during their lives, but because of this idea that we're learning now, that the Kalippus, they, they support the person who is, who, is, who is bringing them extra chayas. That system is only a system in golas. Because only in Golos is the Shekhinah vulnerable to our, that we can drag the Shekhinah into the clipper Like in the time of the Beit the Shekhinah was not, the Shekhinah was, an, was rooted in Eretz Yisrael. The Shekhinah was rooted in Kadusha. We didn't have such access to draw the Shekhinah. If a person sinned, he damaged himself. He cut himself off the Shekhinah, but he was not causing so much Yanika Sachitzonah. Because the Shekhinah was not in. One of the premises that the Alter Rebbe said earlier that we can give life to the Sholosh Klipas Atmeyes, is because the Shekhinah is invested in Klipas Noiga. And Klipas Nohige act, acts as a mediator between Sholosh Klipas Atmeyes. So therefore, it's much easier today to cause a leakage. Right? But at the time of the Beis HaMikdash, when the Shekhinah was separated even from Klipas Neuge, was in the. so then a person sinned, he was plugging himself out. He wasn't dragging the Shekhinah there. So therefore, in today's days, it should have been what? That's what the Mishnah say. In B'odeinu, after the destruction of the beisam Amigdash, we should see that what? Much more people are successful when they're sinning. But the Mishnah says, Ain't biodeinu," it's not really happening. Even people, even in today's days, when it should be happening, it's not happening. And the reason is, like the Baratunur says, because we're not, people are not so wicked. They're not such Rishayim that, they should be, that this thing should happen. But that's what the altar is explaining. Why be a day new? Because in our days, this should be more, this should be more of a common phenomenon that people that sin are successful. The Mishnah was saying that in their days, this was not so, 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 um, something that they've seen. Even though technically, in their days, dafka they should have seen it because it was after the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. The Shina is in Galas, right? And therefore, let's see, um, our hands, in the time of Golos, after the Beis Aminash was destroyed, the shechina was uprooted. It should have been that what? That when a person sins, he should be successful. But even that, don't think it works. It doesn't work that well. that's just, For whatever reason, we don't see that that should happen. This general idea, that is called Golis HaShechina on the private scale. In other words, there is Golis HaShechina in the collective world, that the Shechina is, is, is concealed inside the klipas, inside the shells that obscure. That's in the general world. Particularly Golis HaShechina, that we're talking about over here, is a person's Golis HaShechina. Every single Jew... Chas v'shalem can cause the shechina to be dragged into more gollus. As a result, This is a gollus to the shechina, where the shechina has to give influence to the Heichel of the Sitrach, which the shechina doesn't want. The shechina abhors them and the shechina has to give them chayas. As a result, chas v'shalem of a person's avera, Ashesan nafshi That the Eibishter hates. But Chasidus is not coming over here to, to, to just put us down, chas v'shalem. And look what a mess we made. The main point is this point. When a person does tshuva, a proper Shuvah. what's a proper Shuvah? we're going to see in the next chapter? But when a person does a proper tshuva, he takes back the tshuva, shehim shech Oisav through his actions and through his thoughts he chas pishalom dragged the energy of the shekhinah into the klippa so when he does chuva he's restoring that he pulls the energy back out of the klippa and restores it back into kadusha Chuva say when he does chuva machzeri returns hashpash <speaking> shekhinah in <Hebrew> the influence of the shekhinah limkhaima to her place the tashuv hey now we understand why the zohar says chuva is Tashu of Hei, returning the hay, because it's the hay, it's the Shechina, the latter Hei of Hashem's name, the part of the Eibishter that is the power in the universe, which is supposed to be giving life to the holy universe, which is Kedusha. But as a result of a person's actions, it got dragged in to give chayus into the, into the things that the person is supporting. What the person is supporting, the Eibishter, the, the Shechina, has to, against her will, support that as well. And as a result, however, when the person does tshuva, extracting himself out from that unholiness, he takes the shechina out also from from that, mipchenas uh, golos from that golos. Yeah. What? No, what I mean, what I mean to say is into that. No, 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 no. The thing, no, 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 no. What I mean to say is, it's it, if a person does something vi- violence, he's supporting. He's supporting violence. But the violence that a person can be doing and get angry and smashing something, that's. But when a person does is, is acting in an immoral way, like you're saying, that he's supporting immorality in the world. He's supporting giving chayas to those to entities that are pushing and 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 and, and causing. A general, universal immorality. Uh, he's supporting. He might be supporting Hollywood and all the chazarai that's coming with it, giving that energy. And I'm saying, you're right. It's 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 the type of klipa that you're doing. If you have an unholy anger and an unholy thing, then you're then you're giving life to the to the, the of of wrath. If you're giving chayas to uh, uh, if, if if you're if 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 it's an impure relationship then you're causing that energy to be come intensified in the world. But it might be far further than what the person thinks he is supporting. In other words, if they were making some kind of real ugly... This very person, if you would ask him, if they were supporting... If they would be making some kind of real real uh, 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 non-snihistiga thing in the world, and they would come to him and give, ask him to you know, give tzedakah to that, he would never do that. You know, he should support that. But in his own life, he might... Watch the movie or see something, like then in thinking he's not supporting it, he really is giving highest to it. You know what I'm saying? That's what I mean. It's the negative element that the person is doing, but it's 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 a power much, much, much bigger than what the person thinks it is. But it is in the same avenue. You're right. It's in the same avenue that the person has been sinning. Yes. Yeah. 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 Could you cause someone else in the world to drown? Like there are schools of thought that would be that. I'm wondering if Alpha holds on that, but you're you can cause negative action as something totally unrelated. That's what I'm trying to say. Because in as much you know what, but in as much as things are in as much as one thing impacts the next and the other thing impacts the next, in an indirect, very long distant channel, yes. In a in a direct way, it's more in, you're more influencing that aspect in which you're involved with. That's what I would think. like it says, It says the Abishter will return your captives. imshevuscha. Hashem will return with your returnees when you do tshuva. He will return. Echamayim Doesn't say. The Hashem will return your captives. It says He will return with your captives. As they return, He will return. That means the Eberster himself has to come out of the exile. Because the Eberster has... Why does he have to come out? Because he's gone there in the first place. Why did he go there? Because wherever the Jew goes, the Eberster inevitably is going to go along with him. And the Eberster himself comes along. And that's the power of tshuva. The real power of tshuva is that we're able to pull out all the energy, chas that we've given to the other side, but that's the lower tshuva, because that's all about rectifying the mess that we've done through sin. The higher tshuva is on a complete, on a much higher level, which is in union. Now in the next parak, the Alter says, okay, this is what tshuva needs to accomplish, but we're going to learn next week, how do you do this? What is the chuva that you need to do in order to restore all the energy that a person has given to the klipa? And you can have, you can, you can be, whichever, you would be 70 years old and have a lifetime of supporting all the negativity and the unholiness, a person can in one day, and really in one moment, in a very short period, pull all that energy out and extract it all and change everything. Have a huge impact on the entire cosmos as a powerful tshuva that he does as we're going to see in the next parak, step by step, what is the necessary steps in order to affect that kind of a chur? Be'ezus HaShem, we continue next week, 8.30. Please tell your friends to come and learn. Yep. Oh, one more thing I do want to say, just one quick thing, and that is how does this all this fit with what the altar ever taught in the last parak that when a person sins, they're cutting themselves off. They're cutting the flow of energy from the Shem Havaya, from the Yud Vavke. They're snipping it. They're snipping the rope. Here he says, when you, do, when you do an Avera, you're pulling the rope, and the upper part of the rope is going along with you. How does it fit? In the last Perik? he explained how when a person sins, he cuts the rope. So if you're cutting the rope, then you're not impacting the top of the rope because you cut yourself off from it. And the answer that is given is that there are three, that, that's the Kiddush in this part of when he says, v'hine nachlasi. Because there are three elements in that rope. One element is the blowing element that we mentioned earlier, that the moment you do any, any avera, it's already, there's a breakage in that flow and that funnel of life. The other element is like a rope. When we spoke earlier, there's the abister's pleasure and there's the abister's desire. And the desire can still hold even if the pleasure isn't there. But still, an avera is snipping it and then there's a third level in the rope, which never becomes severed. There is something in a Jew's connection to Hishoi, Hashanah, that never becomes severed. And in that dimension, wherever you go, your source will come with you. So there are really three dimensions in what's happening in that rope. One of them, the smallest Avera, you lose that intimacy with the Abishta. Another one is a big Avera cuts. And the third one is a dimension in that rope that's never cut. And therefore, the person will always pull the Abishter with him. So both are true. We'll elaborate on this maybe at the beginning of next week's class.